Father in heaven, thank you so much for this new day, for this new Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and continue to study the Word of God together. And Lord, we're asking for a blessing. We're asking for your Holy Spirit to please convict us, to convert us, to speak to us, to guide us and to teach us. And we ask that from your word as well, that you would illumine our hearts and minds as we open your word to study now. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our study for this evening is entitled The Beatitudes. And the the Mount of Blessing study series is focused on Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And you'll find it in other uh, books of the gospel, the, the other gospel books, but Matthew 5, 6, and 7 really are the, the chapters that many of us are most familiar with. And even here in this Mount of Blessing series studies, um, you know, the Beatitudes, which is the first study that we're looking at this evening, is probably the second most famous passage in this Matthew 5 to 7. Um, The most famous one really is the Lord's Prayer that we find in Matthew chapter 6. But the beginning of of, of the Sermon on the Mount is this Beatitudes. And we're going to study that into that this evening. And, you know, we've readjusted our studies. I've I've rewritten them in a different way because normally we spend an hour almost on each Beatitude. But we're combining it today and we're going to look at the whole series together. And so the Beatitudes is our study for this evening. Let's start by reading Matthew chapter 5 at the very beginning there, starting in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Uh, pardon me, I hope you can't hear all that knocking in the background. I live in a condo here and uh, it can get noisy here and there. But, you know, when we read through this passage here in Matthew chapter 5 from verse 3 all the way to verse 12, there is one word that probably jumps out and that is repeated nearly in every verse, just over and over and over again. And that word is what? It's the word blessed. Now, what does the word blessed actually mean? You know, we all want to be blessed, right? But what does that word blessed actually mean? When you look in the original Greek, it means to be happy. It just simply means happy or extremely happy. So really, when we study the Beatitudes, What these studies is all about is steps to happiness. If you want to be blessed, the blessings of God is about giving us happiness. Really, the whole Bible is a book of blessings. And this book is a book that's been calculated and written in such a way to help us experience true happiness. 
And in the Beatitudes, we are seeing those steps, steps to happiness. They're coming in a certain order. And God, He wants to bless us abundantly. He wants us to be supremely happy. You know, friends, the Christian life is not, at least not on this earth, it's not all about doom and gloom and, you know, just a set of standards and trying to work your way to heaven. No, it's not that at all. And so even though there are serious events that we've looked at before and that are yet to come upon this earth, yet the Christian life is not all about being sad or just serious all the time. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be happy. And so let's start by going to that first step, the first beatitude found there in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. The Bible says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? How can we be happy when it seems like being poor in spirit doesn't sound like a good statement, right? A good experience. It doesn't make sense. Remember, these are steps to happiness. And this is that first step. But what does it mean? Well, if we go to the New Living Translation, So it's the same passage, Matthew 5, 3, but we look at the New Living Translation. Look at this. God blesses those, or or God helps us to be happy, those who are poor and realize their need for Him. So what, what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to be blessed here? We can be happy if we realize our need for Jesus. The first step to happiness is self realization. When we can understand our need, when we know that the first step we need to take is our step toward Jesus, this is our first step towards happiness because Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. God came to give us that happiness, that fullness of joy in our life. You see, friends, many of us are unaware of our actual need of Jesus. And as a result, we find many things that we do, even as Christians, to be a burden and not a delight. And so everything that God has given to us, everything that He's instructed us in, when He says, come to me and I'll give you rest, He wants to give us happiness. Yes, even on the Sabbath, when we don't do anything and we're not working and it seems that we're not going out when everyone else is going out and going to the nightclubs or going to the bars or going shopping or just having a jolly time on the weekends, there is happiness to be found in coming to Jesus on a Friday night on Sabbath morning when we go to church, there is happiness. There is happiness when we find Jesus every morning when we spend time with Him in His Word. The first step that we must take is steps towards Jesus. And so that's our first step in this ladder of happiness. But let's keep going. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 4. What is the second step? Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they, or happy are they that what? That mourn? What what does the word mourn mean? That's like being sad. So how can we be sad and happy at the same time? These two things just don't go together. What does the Bible mean though? Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, let's go to a text in Scripture found in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10. The Bible says this, 
And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Do you see right there in the middle of the verse, it says what? When we look on him, when we look on Jesus, that is the him that's being referred to here. When we look at Jesus, whom we have pierced, we will mourn. When we realize what our sins have done, not to ourselves, but to Jesus Christ, when we realize the sins that we have done have put him on the cross, when we ourselves have been responsible for crucifying Jesus, the Lamb of God, and realizing that his grace is sufficient to cover us, the Bible says we will be comforted. So there is a certain level of mourning and being sad and sorry, which will bring us happiness. Yes, when we realize how much we need Jesus because we are such great sinners, when we look at Christ and we mourn for the things that we've done, we see that our burdens are lightened. We see that Jesus is setting us free from the bondage of sin, those bad habits, and especially the consequences of sin, which is death itself. Without that, friends, without looking at Jesus, we'll never be sorry for what we have done. We'll never be sorry for the sins that we have committed. So we've got to come to Jesus. We've got to set our eyes on Jesus. And the first thing he says is, come, give me your burdens. Give me your sins. As you mourn for it and you feel sorry for it, I will take it. I have already borne it. I've already died for it, he says. But we've got to be willing to come to him. Steps to happiness. Blessed are those that realize their need of Jesus. Blessed are those that mourn for the wrong and the sins that they've done. But you see, what does this mourning lead to? Let's go to another text found in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 10. Look at this. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. When we have godly sorrow, when we are truly sorry for what we've done and we mourn over it, the Bible says that it will work repentance in each of our lives. And what is repentance? It's a U-turn. You're going down a path and you find out that you're going the wrong way, you've got to make a U-turn. God, when we look at Jesus on the cross and we behold him, and we see him and we come to Jesus, he's the one that helps us to turn our life around, change it around for the better. The start of that, it's all got to do with Jesus. He's the one that will help us to break the habit of cigarette or tobacco or or drinking or whatever struggle and secret sins we might have. If we will come to Jesus, if we will realize that we've been battling these sins on our own for so long without any victory, and we know that it's leading us down the wrong path, we know that it's hurting other people, and we know that it's hurting ourselves, so many of us are incapable. We have no strength to do it. Not so many, all of us really. We're entrapped, we're we're enslaved to sin. And only as we look to Jesus, He will give us the victory. We start with mourning and He will give us repentance. 
He will help us to change. There is happiness that we can have when we realize what we've done wrong and we become sorry for it. And ultimately, it leads to a change in life. It will lead us to salvation. Who will not be happy, right? Not just in the future, but even in the present. But what is the next step for our happiness? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What does it mean to be meek? How can we be meek? Blessed are those that are meek, right? They all inherit the earth, but how can we be meek? Well, you're going to see the answer is all in Jesus Christ, friends. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Friends, in order for us to go to Jesus and learn from him, for he's meek and lowly in heart, we must first realize our need for him. We must realize that we're carrying a heavy burden that we cannot bear ourselves unless it will, we let it crush us. Now, that burden is sin. And friends, there, that, that there is this burden that is making us labor. That's the first step in the Beatitudes, self-realization, right? But then the act of going to Jesus, that's repentance, godly sorrow, mourning. And when we go to Jesus then, what must we do? We got to learn of him. He's meek and he's lowly in heart. After we have realized that we have done wrong and we make steps towards Christ, we got to learn of him. This is really where true repentance begins. We don't have the power to change ourselves. We got to come to Christ and and learn from him and allow him to live in us and through us. And the one characteristic that we must learn is meekness. What does the word meek actually mean? It means to be gentle, to be humble. We will have a gentleness about us. We will have a humiliation, a humility about us, a low estimation of ourselves. And when we have that sort of humility, it is easier to detect the wrong within ourselves. And honestly, friends, it's easier to be happy. Meekness is not just being quiet when you've when you were you, there's injustice. It's not just bearing things and letting people bully you and walk all over you. No, meekness is knowing when to be quiet and giving God the opportunity to work on your behalf, even though sometimes you don't understand. Being meek, humbly letting God lead our lives, even when yes, we don't understand. And so we gotta go and learn of Jesus. We're going to learn of his character because as we behold him, we're going to become changed into his meekness, his likeness, his character. So we come to this next step in Matthew chapter 5 of the Beatitudes. Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There is happiness to be found when we hunger and thirst after righteousness. What is righteousness? Well, let's let the Bible define that. First John chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ the righteous. What is righteousness? Or I should say, who is righteousness? It is Jesus Christ. Blessed or happy are those that hunger and thirst after Christ. But how can we hunger and thirst? How can we eat and drink of Jesus? Well, let's have a look at another text of Scripture found in Psalms 119 and 172. The Bible says this, My tongue shall speak of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. So to hunger and thirst after Jesus is to hunger and thirst after his commandments, is to hunger and thirst after his word, his instruction, the Bible. Did you know that, friends, even the commandments, it was first spoken in Exodus 20. It wasn't written on a table of stone. So really, it is the spoken word of God. But of course, today for us, it's become the written word of God. And so, yes, we got to hunger and thirst after God's word. We got to eat of that word, just as it says in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Friends, we got to learn to eat of God's word. Not just once a week when we go to church, but even every day. We've got to hunger and thirst. As often as we eat and drink of, of physical food, let us learn to eat and drink of the spiritual food as well. That's really how we continue to come to Jesus, to learn of Him every day, to allow Him to transform us into His character, that meek and lowly and humble character. We can find happiness, friends, when we hunger and thirst after the Word of God. If you haven't tried it before, if you're not being consistent throughout a whole year to allow God to put His Word into your heart, you will never see the change. You will not understand how, how great and good a God we serve and how He'll give you noble purposes, different purposes. He will guide your life. He will change and transform it. And sometimes, just sometimes, He will say, hey, you're going down the wrong path in terms of your job. I'll change it to something else. That's exactly what happened to me, friends. I studied IT. And when I graduated, I started working with PricewaterhouseCoopers when that section of the IT consulting arm was bought over by IBM. And I was working with them. But that was a time, 20 years old. I've grown up in church all my life, but I never read the Bible. I never studied it. And long story short, an event happened that caused me to say, okay, God, I'm going to give you a serious chance in my life to allow your word to be written there and just to spend time and over the course of six months, one year, my life began to change and God began to change my heart and my mind and my desires. And eventually I left IT, went and studied theology, and I've never looked back. So God gives us different purposes, gives us different desires. He gives us even sometimes a totally new path in terms of career to walk in. And it's nothing to be afraid of because why? Blessed, blessed Blessed God, He guides our life and changes it, not just to say, oh, Ben, I want you to quit your job so you can hasten my coming. No, He says, Ben, I want you to quit your job because you're not happy there. I want to give you a more happy life. I want to give you a life that's more satisfying, more, more desirable, something that you can wake up to and, and feel joy and happiness every day. Yes, that's why He wants to change our life and our, our direction and our, our careers and sometimes our studies and the relationships we're in and whatever it is, the changes that God desires to implement in our lives. 
It's all with one thought in mind. How can I make you the happiest person on earth? It's not about just salvation and going to heaven and following God because he's my God and I better do what he says or he's going to be angry. No, it's all about our happiness. And that's what God wants for us. He has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly, not just from sin and death, no, but from all bad things, but to guide us and lead us even in the good things of life as well. Amen. Amen. But there are still steps after this. Eating and drinking of the Word of God is very important, but it's not the end. It's not the end of steps to happiness, being blessed, supremely blessed. Let's keep reading in Matthew chapter 5, now and verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Friends, blessed are the merciful, for we are the ones, if we are merciful to others, God will be merciful to us. It says also in a similar passage in Luke 6, 36, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. So we are instructed To what degree do we have to be merciful? Just as much as the Father has been merciful to each and every one of us. For those that are merciful, we will obtain mercy. But how? How was the Father merciful to us? How are we to be merciful to other people? Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus tells us this, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Jesus tells us that His mercy, the the way that His mercy has been translated to us, that has been showered upon us is, I'm not going to remember your sins and iniquities anymore. I'm going to treat you as if you never sinned. And you know, friends, this is where the rubber meets the road for the Christian. This is where it all becomes practical. How can we forget the sins of others? It's impossible, right? But let's look at it from another statement found in Matthew chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says this, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, friends, we are forgiven as much as we forgive others. That much the Bible is clear. So God wants us to forget the sins of others so that He can forget our sins, right? As much as we forgive others, we will be forgiven from God. And forgiveness really is where the rubber meets the road for the Christian. Look, when does a person need forgiveness? When do you need to forgive somebody? It's when they've done something wrong, right? I mean, when... When a person needs forgiveness, it's because really they were in the wrong. They did something that was not good. You go tell a hundred people and tell them the wrong that this person has done to you and they will all agree with you because really this person has done something wrong. But that's the reason why they need forgiveness in the first place. If you haven't done anything wrong, you don't need to be forgiven, right? So really, when we look at this, forgiveness is needed when a party really has wronged us. And you tell it to 100 people, all 100 will agree with you. Yes, they were in the wrong. 
And it's not about making us feel better that that person was in the wrong and we are in the right, but we got to forgive. Look, this is why the first few steps in the Beatitudes is so important. Number one, happy are we when we have a self-realization of how bad and sinful we are and how much we need Jesus, right? And then blessed are those or happy are those that mourn for their sins and have this godly sorrow. And then we're extremely blessed when we can go and learn of Jesus, of his meekness, and we can eat and drink of his righteousness from the word of God when we are transformed into into his image. If we have this process in our hearts, if we are eating and drinking of the word of God, if we are becoming more and more like Jesus every day, well, the next step is easy. It gets easier to forgive because we have Jesus in our hearts. He's living in and through us. You see, forgiveness is a supernatural event. We cannot do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of Christ. We need Jesus himself abiding in us. It's a spiritual issue. If we, not, 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 not saying sorry, that person saying sorry. No, you forgiving that person that has really hurt you. It comes not from just, oh, you how you were raised or, no, it comes from strength of character, the character of Christ. Because our tendency as human beings is to not forgive. You were wrong and you deserve for me to be angry at you. You know, and sometimes we feel it is our right to hold anger and bitterness in our hearts for, for a particular person because they've wronged us. You see that? And so it's not about how wrong they were and it's not how deep a sin they are have, have done, but we got to forgive. They, they need forgiveness because they really were wrong. If they weren't wrong, we wouldn't need forgiveness, right? God forgives as much as we forgive others. But if we are looking to Jesus, when we realize how great a sinner we are and how much we need Him, if we're learning from Him and being meek and humble, if we're spending time in His Word and drinking from that fountain of life and the living water, we'll find it easier to forgive our brothers and sisters and even our enemies. And yes, we can talk about practical ways, you know, don't talk about it so much. The, 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 the more you talk about it, the more you get angry about it, the more you're reminded about these bad things. But no, we've got to learn to deal with these things internally. And we've got to recognize that we're not capable of forgiving. And that really, what we found even in spiritual warfare, when people are harassed by evil spirits, is because many are un- holding on to the spirit of unforgiveness. We're holding on to hatredness. And, and bitterness and all these things. I don't think there's a word such as hatredness. Hatred. We're holding on to hatred. We're holding on to bitterness. We're holding on to anger. And we feel like that person keeps doing it over and over again. That person, I can't trust them anymore. I don't want to hang around with them. I don't want to see their face. And you know, we got to learn to forgive. we got to learn to let go. And if we're not able to, we got to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me. You told me that I'm going to yoke myself up with you. And that yoke is a, a yoke of oxen where, where two oxen would walk side by side. The stronger one would lead the way and then the one with more experience would guide and, and direct and put, put them in the right path. And Jesus is that older head. He's the one with all the wisdom. And he says, if you want to forgive, if you need help, you got to yoke yourself up with me. Come learn of me. I'll show you what I've been through, where people denied me even though they spent three and a half years as my disciple. 
Those that, that, that would spit in my face and mock me with the crown of thorns when I'd done nothing wrong. I was nailed to the cross and even then people were mocking me. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. If we have the Spirit of Christ, if we have the character of Christ, if we have the life of Christ abiding in us, we would be able to forgive. Be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. And the merciful will obtain mercy. Is it a spiritual act? It absolutely is. And somehow this one has highlighted, which helps me to see this is one of the most difficult things that we will ever have to do as a Christian. Jesus isn't just going, hey, let me find you the easiest road. No, he's dealing with our hearts. He's dealing with our lives. He knows what we struggle with. And one of the biggest struggles that all of us as humans find to struggle with this, being merciful, learning to forgive. But yet, even then, this is not the last beatitude. Let's keep going. There's still more steps. Let's go to beatitude now, number six. Let's go over to Matthew chapter five and verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, friends, being pure in heart is a natural progression from the earlier Beatitudes. But what does it mean to have a pure heart? Well, in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9, the Bible says this, Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. So to be pure in heart really is to be free from sin. But isn't that meant to take place after we mourn for our sins and ask Jesus to forgive us, right? That's step number two. Blessed are those that mourn for they shall be comforted, right? We, we've already mourned for our sins, but only now I'm pure in heart? But why? Remember the previous beatitude though. The merciful shall obtain mercy. This is that beatitude which proves whether we are pure or not whether we have learned to forgive others as much as God forgives us. This is where really we can understand if we truly are learning to walk with Jesus. Because if we are, we'll be able to let go of those hurt feelings. God, he says, if you're holding on to hatred, if you're holding on to bitterness, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, your heart is not pure. It's not pure. And we've got to learn to give it back to God and ask God to help us. But you see, friends, when will we see God? Because it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, right? Well, let's go over to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says this, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall, see, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Friends, what event is this talking about? This is none other than the second 
coming. And if we have hope for the future immortal life, if we have the hope for the second coming, then purity of heart will also be of utmost importance to us as well. That is what will occupy our heart's desires. So friends, pure in heart, really, it has very much to do with forgiving our brothers and sisters. But yet we're not at the end yet. Let's keep going. Beatitude number seven. Matthew chapter five and verse nine. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. What is a peacemaker? Someone that makes peace between two parties. And you can really see how this is tied in with the merciful. Why? Look, you can't be a peacemaker if you have problem with somebody, right? Maybe you can make peace between these, these two people because you don't have a problem with either of them. But if you have a problem with someone else, how can you be a peacemaker? You need someone to be a peacemaker for you, right? So a peacemaker is someone that makes peace between two parties. And, you know, we need to learn to forgive if we want to teach that to others, if we want to be able to help people to make peace. Because obviously, someone must have hatred or bitterness or anger in their hearts. That's why these steps are progressive, friends. That's why it's so important to learn to forgive or else we can't be involved in the ministry of reconciliation because the ultimate peace that we've got to help people to have is peace between man and God. We've got to learn to do that. But if we, if we can't even make peace between brother to brother, how can we have peace between us and God, right? So being a peacemaker brings happiness, yes. We don't like it when two friends fight each other and it ruins the friendship, but it ruins the relationship you have with either of them because you can't go out with both of them at the same time, right? These are steps to happiness. Being a peacemaker, learning to stand in the gap between two groups or two parties of people is really, really important, but we can't do it without the love and the character of Christ abiding in our hearts. So God wants us to be happy and he wants us to help others to be happy as well. Friends, you can't be happy when you're holding bitterness in your heart. Do you know that unforgiveness, when you are not willing to forgive somebody, it doesn't affect that person. Sure, they might be sad for a little time that, you know, why do you, want to, you don't want to hang out with them anymore, why you don't want to see them anymore, but you are angry and you're holding all these really bad feelings in your heart. It's not good. It shows up in your face and, you know, it, it torments a person when we hold all these bitter and bad feelings in our hearts. Friends, we've got to learn to let it go. we got to. And if you want to learn more about that, you've got to look at the spiritual warfare class that we have on my, my, my YouTube channel here. If you want to access to it, it's a salt class. And so, you know, it, it's something that we only allow people to have access to through a subscription because it's only 100 ringgit. But, you know, my brother has shared about the divine remedies for the sin-sick soul when it comes to spiritual um, warfare and, and those that are being plagued by, by evil spirits and you know when, when we learn to hold on when we not learn when we hold on to unforgiveness it really just hurts us we've got to learn to let it go friends we got to 
But then we come down to the last beatitude. Now we're at Matthew chapter 5 and verses 10 through 12. And look at this. This one is shocking. It's all together. But look at this. Blessed or happy are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which are before you. We are asked to be happy when we're being persecuted, when people say false stuff against us, when they are outrightly going against us and saying all these bad things. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, the Bible says. How is that possible? How? Only as the Spirit of God dwells in your heart. Only as you have been transformed into the image of Christ that you can withstand this sort of persecution, that you can be happy. Because look at this. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3.12 that all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So how can we be happy when people are persecuting us? We can be happy because we know that we're on the right path. That Jesus was persecuted for being holy and godly. And so were all the prophets that came before us, even Moses, who was the meekest man in all the earth. But friends, there comes this understanding of joy in our hearts, not, not when we stir up trouble ourselves because of our bad character, but no, when we've learned to be like Jesus and persecution still comes, we can rejoice and be exceeding glad because we are in good company with all the prophets that came before us and even Jesus Christ as well. All that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You see, this last step, and even though it's three verses, 10 through 12, it's so important because when persecution comes, it will show whether we really have the character of Christ or not. Look, friends, it's easy to be happy when you don't have any problems. It's easy to be happy when you don't have any enemies. It's easy to be happy when you have everything in the world. It seems like you're really blessed. But how about when you have persecution? When people are outrightly going against you, to do things against you, to hurt you, to say things that are not true about you, can you still be happy and rejoice? Can you still forgive? Because there is coming a day when persecution will arise and people know what they're doing and they're doing it on purpose against you to hurt you, to bring you down, to make you angry. Whatever it is, can you still be happy? That happiness is not of this world. That peace is not of the world. Only a peace that God can give. That's only found in Christ Jesus. That we can only glean from the Word of God. And not any parent, not any church, not any person on this earth except Jesus Christ. So friends, we need that true happiness today. We need it in our lives. And we've got to go through these steps, steps to happiness. And so really these beatitudes are not just steps to happiness, but they're steps to godliness. Do you know that holiness and happiness, they go hand in hand. They go together. If we want to be happy, we got to learn to live 
godly lives. Look at this. In our last text, Acts chapter 3 and verse 26, this is what Christ says. Unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you. And what is the result of those blessings? In turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Friends, the the purpose of the Beatitudes is to turn us away from our sins and our iniquities because this is what is stealing the joy from our lives. This is what is stealing the happiness from our lives. This is the purpose of the Beatitudes. This is the purpose, really, of the whole mission of Christ, the whole of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that we'll be studying in these coming weeks. And so, friends, when how we react when people are persecuting us and trying to hurt us will show whether we have gone through these steps or not. And it's not easy to follow these steps. It's impossible. How can we forgive those that hurt us? It's so human so easy to to hold on to unforgiveness friends how can we rejoice and be exceeding glad when people are saying all false things against us and 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 you know not saying things that are true and and that are right but friends how can we be happy when people are trying to harm us and hurt us it's not possible in our own flesh it is impossible and that's why god has given us these steps That's why he's given us the Beatitudes, steps to godliness, to turn us away from our sins, but steps to happiness. We can't do it in our own strength. If we could, Jesus would not have needed to come. But today we need his word more than ever. We need that instruction in our lives. And if we would follow it and believe it, Jesus can make us more than conquerors through Jesus, through his spirit, through his word. He can make us conquerors over the unforgiving spirit that hangs over us like a deep cloud. Friends, God, he can give us victory, total victory today. And we got to get on this ladder of progression. You know, when you go back to the Beatitudes and you look at verse three and you look at the, the first Beatitude and you look at the last Beatitude, you know what the promise is? It's exactly the same. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now look at that last word in verse 10 as well. The last words, if we're persecuted for righteousness sake, the promise is given for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The promise is the same at the beginning and also at the end. We just got to start. We just got to begin. We got to get on this ladder of progression. We got to come to Jesus. And if you come to Jesus, you got to learn of his word. But maybe you say, I've been reading the Bible through and through every year, but maybe you're struggling with forgiveness. You've got to go back to the drawing board. You've got to pray more. You've got to ask God to help you. Then you can experience joy and happiness in your life. Friends, we just got to start. Start by realizing our need. And if you do, let's keep progressing. Progressing to the point that one day we can see Jesus face to face. And then we will enter into a bliss and a joy beyond what we could ever understand on this earth. Friends, I want you to to see this evening that God desires to give you the very best. Every word that has been written in the Bible has been calculated to point us to Jesus, the source 
of true joy and happiness. It's not money. It's not your career. It's not your accomplishments. It's not any relationship except the relationship with Jesus that matters the most today. And so, friends, this evening, and whenever you're watching this, may we make a recommitment to Christ today and say, God, I want to follow you. I realize I've been looking at the word all wrong. I realize I've been looking at church all wrong, not understanding that everything you've given to us is just for our own good, to be a blessing to ourselves. And so may we learn to trust him in faith and to grow each and every day more and more like him. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the Beatitudes. Thank you for giving us these precious words to remind us of your love for us and how you desire for each of us to be so happy in you. Lord, please forgive us where we have distrusted you. Forgive us where we have not walked in according to your will and your way. May you please guide us, Lord, and lead us and help us. Help us to get on this ladder of the Beatitudes, these steps to happiness today. So, Father, guide us in whichever part of the journey we're on. No matter how far we progress or how little, help us just to begin today. And we recommit our lives to you, Lord. Please come and live in each of our hearts. Again today we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.